Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. <laughs> my dad is my hero. I'll always be there to take your call and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh boy. Hey, hey, hey. I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. (laughs) Today's episode with Jordan Mendoza is going to teach you the rules of proper mentorship. And if you know the rules of giving without getting something in return, you can blaze your own trail. Jordan, welcome. Oh my goodness. Your posts are super powerful. Okay. So you said losing someone is never easy. Someone that was a mentor and a friend to me for the past five years is now gone. He challenged me to use my imagination. He challenged me to think so big. It scared me. That was the line I loved. He challenged me to give more. He challenged me to shine my light more. He also showed me how abundant the world really is. Thanks for the challenges and lessons, Bill. And you know what? This episode can be a tribute to him. I think that that is so amazing. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be amazing for sure. There's so few people that do all of those things. And you know what? Part of why I really wanted to have you on is because you gave to me. Like I interviewed Jerry Springer. It was such a meaningful interview for me. It was like 20 years in the making. He was the guy that started my career. I was so nervous around this guy at 21 years old. I saw a sat backstage with him. I could barely pitch the stories to him before he got on stage. Yeah, I went from intern to producer on that show in such pivotal years for me. And you helped me promote that episode and gave me new ideas and went live with me and gave me that opportunity to express raw emotion, not even think about it, just get there, get up on LinkedIn and do that and shared it with your whole community to support me. And that was a huge giving moment. So I wanted to do that back for you. Totally. I appreciate it. No, and and it's my honor. You know, I'm here to help whatever, (laughs) whoever it is whatever the situation is it doesn't have to be business it it can be but at the same time like you know we're i feel like we we have so that we can give right like if i've got info if i've got access if i've got a network you know and i can help somebody out then that's just the way that my mom raised me my great-grandmother raised me and my dad you know it's all about serving others if you have a heart to serve you'll never not have anything you'll always have if you can give without expectation actually a quote and you can you know, put this into the episode if you want, but I, I learned this quote by a guy named Randy Garn. I was at this conference in January, John Maxwell, Anthony Trucks, Jesse Itzler. I mean, you, you think of a top speaker, they were there, but this guy who I never heard of before, he said something so powerful. He said, do as much as you can for as many people as you can without expecting anything in return. And how powerful is that? How selfless is that? How much of an abundant mindset do you have that you can give without expecting anything. And what I found is that the more often you can do that, uh, the more you actually get. And it may not be monetary all the time. It may not be what you want, but you will get what you deserve. I love that. I want to ask you a little bit of a tricky question. So what do you do when opportunities come your way and your initial reaction is like, ah, I don't really like how they asked. 
or, you know, maybe that wasn't the right way to collaborate with me for the first time, but it is an opportunity to give. Have you ever like paused? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think it's, for me, it's, it's a lot about intuition, right? It's, it's like, what, what do I feel when I've read this thing or I've been asked this particular, like, well, how do I feel about it? Because I'm a big believer and it has to feel good, you know? And matter of fact, I can share a story that I was invited to be a speaker at this conference in Colorado and I was pumped about it. It was going to, I was going to be in a room of 50 real estate agents and teaching them LinkedIn. Like it would be a great opportunity for my business. I just, I think it was like in my first, it was last year. So it was like going to be a lot of exposure. And I remember waking up. I, I normally don't wake up in the middle of the night, but I woke up. This is the night before fly, I have a flight booked to go to Denver. Something about it just said, don't go. And I emailed the, the people. I said, listen, hey, something came up. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to come and speak at this event. I told them no. I did not get a reply. Haven't heard from him since. Don't know what would have happened if I would have got right. I don't know what, what the, the results would have been, but it doesn't matter because I knew deep down that that wasn't the right place for me to be. Okay. And so hopefully that will be helpful to somebody, you know, like sometimes we don't know the opposite outcome. We, we just know the one that feels the best for us or that, you know, we're getting that inclination. That, hey, don't do it. Who knows? Maybe I would have been on that flight that went down, you know, if a flight went down. It's like, I don't know, but I made the decision and I called it at the last minute. It doesn't matter what quarter it's in, right? You can always make it a decision that could change the game. It can affect who knows what it, it can affect. But all I knew is that that I used the intuition to say, this doesn't feel right to me. So I'm not going. Wow. I wish some of the things that I've experienced, maybe I would have like gone with that gut a little bit more because I have had that feeling like I shouldn't do it. And then it's like, ah, I, I tried it anyway and then ended up learning. Maybe I really shouldn't have done it. And I've, I've had plenty of those too. Right? <laughs> so I think it, it comes with growth. It comes with listening, paying attention over time. I think a lot of that. And then also for me, it's it's my faith, right? I, I, I there is a, for me, there's a higher power. It's, it's, I'm not the one that's operating. I'm not the guy that has all this. I'm not qualified probably to give all the advice that I give to people, but there's something I can tap into that whether that's, you know, that that's a religious thing for some people, whether that's the stars. I mean, there's, there's lots of people have their own thoughts and opinions. Mine is, you know, my faith and, and you know, belief in Jesus Christ. That's, that's what helps me. And, and I can access that to help me make decisions, you know, because I think the times when I didn't make the right decision, it, I probably wasn't tapping into the right thing, right? It was half-assing it, right? Which is, which is a what a lot of us can do. It's like you're being, you feel you're being pulled, but you're like, yeah, let me ignore that. And let me go the opposite. And yeah, there's plenty of situations where I've also done that. And so when, when you can understand what serves you well and what doesn't, I think that's a game changer. I listened to the intro of your podcast and you said that you grew up in Portland. I've never been to Portland and that you were a baseball fan. So it had a dual meaning of, you know, you basketball, but you know, Oh, it was basketball was trailblazing with yep. the basketball team. Were you a basketball player at all? I was like a street, the street ball kid. So I was, I was actually pretty small, like for through most of high school. I, it's funny when I could first dunk a basketball, I was five foot seven. But I had a 36 inch vertical so I could jump kind of out of the gym. But I didn't, I never played like for the high school team. I always played in like church leagues or with all the big kids at the park. So I played a lot of street ball. And, you know, one of the 
basketball players that obviously Michael Jordan is a big influence and Kobe Bryant was kind of, you know, the, a kid when I was a kid, you know, with baggy shorts and all that stuff. But really the guy that I tried to emulate was Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson is, was just the way that he could dribble. It was like poetry in motion. And so I would literally watch videos. I would practice. And so the skill sets that I developed, it was being a good dribbler, being shifty, being able to cross people over and then having a good three point shot. And it's funny because even at 41, I still have all those skills. Like I can, I'm very fast. I like for, I'm six foot, 225 pounds, but I'm faster than most 17 and 18 year olds, which is, which doesn't seem right. But I've always had like a quick twitch in my ability to run like the track guy at my high school. Like I was literally the fastest kid in school, but I was so into breakdancing that I didn't want to do track. And in there, so there's part of me that's like, man, I probably could have been ran state. I could probably could have went to college, not academically, but probably just from my athletic gifts. But again, I have no regrets because I love to break dance. Like that was, you know, poetry in motion for me as well, where I could express myself. It was, you had to be strong. Like there was, you know, you had to think on your feet, like all these things about break dancing. It's, it's like anything that I have a skill set in, they all have the same thing, right? It's repetition, right? You have to put in, in the reps and learn it. But a lot of it's thinking on your feet. Same with business. I just think about something and I go apply it. The same with like hip hop, like I can freestyle rap because I, I'm good at anticipation. I can think on my feet. And so- Oh, we got to do that now. Yeah, so so recently on TikTok, actually, if you go to one of my pinned videos, somebody did like an open verse challenge and I went and rapped on it. And it was funny because people were like, wow, like you're, you're they're giving me good feedback and they're building my, my head up probably a little too big. But, you know, again, that's something I did when I was younger. And it's funny when- you know, when you do it again, when you haven't done it in a while and you're like, wow, that was easy. Like I could, I could easily still do that, you know? So it's very interesting to me that as I get older, I'm like, you know what? I actually have a skill set there. Why don't I just put it out there and see what happens and see if people are entertained. Maybe they like it. Maybe they reach out and they're like, Hey, we want you to, you know, do this thing. So it's, it's just kind of fun. And I feel like I'm in that spot, especially just being over 40 at 41, where like I could care less about people's opinions, like what they think about me. You know, I get, I have all, these like things that I used to look at as useless that are actually now coming in handy. Like I've always had the ability to draw with when I looked at something. So like my son now, I have this massive like Simpsons poster on the wall and it has every Simpsons character. That was like the show for me when I was a kid. And so my son will go up and he'll like say, hey dad, can you pick a character and draw it? And so I'll, I will just literally get out a notepad and I will draw it and then he'll color it the exact colors. And so now he's probably has like five or six of these things that I've drawn and then I've created my own character. You know, it's just like, that's so like, special why do though. I have, why do I have I love that? that. You know, why that's do I have really this? really cool. You know, I got all these talents, but you know, I don't want to activate in those all the time because I don't want to be an artist, but I can draw. You know, it's like, sometimes I try to figure out why we have them and I think, that one has a purpose it's i can do these cool things with my kids and like basketball i can show teenagers that they need to step up their game and be a little more athletic you know in 2022 because they're slow like they literally are i don't understand how they get so tired so quickly you know but again like these we have these gifts and these talents and most of us do this with them we lock them up, we put them away, and we're like, man, I remember when I used to be able to, I remember the time when I could. And so now I'm just at a point where I'm like, forget about that crap. Like, I'm just going to put them all out there and, you know, we'll see what happens with them. It might just be something that I can entertain at a birthday party. It might be something where someone really wants to collaborate and they're like, wow, you did that so well. Can Maybe you can help us do something. You know what I'm saying? But like, you never know if you don't actually put yourself out there. You never know. You're not going to know the outcome ever if you don't 
take action, you know, and that's what my whole mission and brand is about. It's like teaching people to blaze their own trail. So like, if you have a talent, like go use it, go put it out there. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I saw your breakdancing one. And in the breakdancing video, you mentioned that you're a dad and you mentioned your age and you're like, hey, you know, but you made it look so easy. Yeah, it, and it's funny because I'm purposely not showing too much right now because I'm like Friday and Saturdays, my five-year-old, he like, I've been trying to get one of my kids to learn to breakdance for years. Like my 17-year-old, this kid could be like a championship breakdancer if he would have wanted to learn when he was little. And so now my five-year-old, he's like a future ninja warrior like he's athletic he's good at everything he's he's got all these like skill sets and i'm like if you're teachable and coachable i'm gonna teach you son like how to do this and so now he loves it he's we go live on tiktok and it's just me and him breakdancing and you know people are engaging and they're it's it's fun and it's for us it's just we're doing our thing we're just letting people be flies on the wall and we kind of watch us you know share this relationship and it's pretty cool because now i can download those videos and i'm chopping you saw the video i posted well that was from like a 30 minute session i just cut out a little clip so now i can share these clips out and see what people like about them. i'm like hey you know because i've been getting feedback they're like man you got to keep doing it you got to keep posting more and so so that to me is fun because i can inspire people that maybe over 40 that are like i'll never sprint again and i'm like sprint like you can spin on your back if you want like you could do whatever but you have to be willing to actually put in the work to do it. I've lost probably 10 or 12 pounds just by breakdancing, right? Because it's not easy. It's uh, you have to have a lot of core strength. You have to be able to keep moving. You know, you're, you're there's so much that goes into not just the ground stuff, but even like with popping, it's about, you know, your art, your style, your anticipation, you know, your facial expression. There's so much that goes into it that you just don't think about when you're the one that's doing it, you know? How did you learn it? So actually it, it was a movie I watched on VHS called Beat Street. And this is a breakdancing movie. It came out in the 80s. I actually watched it in 1995 uh, when I was in eighth grade. And I just literally would fast forward it, rewind it, and like watch and literally just copy what they were doing, self-taught. And then my buddy would watch it. And then we both learned. And then we built this crew, this like breakdance crew eventually and traveled to different high schools and traveled around the West Coast and battled in competitions. And yeah, that was like my my scene for <laughs> like all of end of middle school into high school. And then, you know, as I got older, go to clubs and I would just be the guy that outdance everyone and start the circles, you know, like that's me. That, that was like me, you know? Oh my God. That must've been such an amazing time in your life. Yes. Yeah. A lot, a lot of fun. It's fun. Like making people happy. It's never a bad day to make someone happy, you know, to make somebody smile because of what you can do and to look at that and be like, wow, how the heck is that possible? And how do you make it look like you said, so effortless? How do you make it look so easy? I mean, think about like the greatest entertainers and artists and people like, why do you look up to them? Because it's like they do it and it's like, how the heck is that so easy for you? It's effortless. Like you're not afraid. You know, that's like the joy that I get when I do it, when I, I get to entertain people. It's just, it's fun for me. Yeah. I would like to also talk about how you pull from this talent archive and chop things up and use it differently on different platforms. Yeah, yeah. Like how to actually create the content for TikTok. What I like about it, and I don't think enough people take advantage of this platform because once you've reached, I think, a thousand followers, they, they give you the ability to, to go live. So it's mm. not like Instagram. So Instagram, you can go live, I believe, from day one. I don't think you have to have any audience. And again, people don't, for some reason, and I, I'm even stuck in this blocker too. Like I don't look at going live on IG as the same as I do on TikTok. It actually is like, oh, I'm going live like people are going to see me live but on TikTok I'm like yeah whatever just you know like who cares who sees me and it's, it's weird how I've got to kind of get past this little headspace but I think it's also 
the way that the, the platform, the user interface is designed is different. And so I know TikTok because I've been doing it, right? I've been putting in the reps and figured it out and, and my audience is real, you know, so there's all that. And the other one I'm looking at, like, you know, would I know how to do it right? So when you go live, they have a live center and you can go to your replays and you can actually download the video from your live once it's done. Similar to like, you know, Zoom or Restream, right? You can download a copy of the stuff. So I'm taking that and there's an app you can use on iOS or Android called InShot. Right, it's the InShot app and you can just literally upload the content, you know, chop it up, clip it. And then I will save that into like 916, which is size for micro content for, you know, Instagram stories, TikTok reels, Facebook reels, uh, YouTube shorts, Pinterest, like it's the same size, right? So, and then I'll take it, I'll even take the vertical, like you probably saw on LinkedIn and I'll post it there. Why? Because most people aren't on their desktop on LinkedIn, they're on their phone. And so it looks formatted for their phone, right? So that's kind of the psychology. And anyone that doesn't see it, if they actually click on it on desktop, it'll pull it into full frame for them. It'll look like the bars are there, but if they click into the video, it'll actually resize it. I've been hearing a lot of talks about repurposing micro content on platforms like Facebook and LinkedIn. And so I'm like, you know what? Why not put it out there? And what's interesting is I get a lot of engagement on the breakdancing stuff. And it's usually people that are like, wow, like, holy cow, I didn't know you could do that. Or it's like, man, I did that back in the, you know, and it's, I get to like read these comments and it's so cool because I'm picking up an audience that I might not have ever touched. Ooh, Does that make sense? I love that. So yeah. Getting this new group of people that aren't following me because I'm a business coach and like a social media guy. They're like, wow, like I get to see this side, but guess what they can do? They can go tap into the podcast and to the business stuff. And then it, it actually humanizes me a lot more mm -hmm. because how many people are you seeing breakdancing on LinkedIn? Does it's definitely a differentiator. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and it is. And they're like, okay, like what's this knucklehead breakdance? And I, and I guarantee you, there's plenty of people judging me. There's probably a few people that remove me as a connection because I see the numbers go down. And I'm okay with that because guess who I'm trying to reach? I'm trying to find the people that are interested in me. And if you're not interested in breakdancing, Jordan, I don't want you to be interested in business, Jordan, because they, they're the same person, right? It's just a different part of me. And so I'm comfortable losing part of my audience because if they're like wow this is a professional place and you can't break dance on linkedin like forget about it I, i'm gonna be who i am i told you i'm 41 now i could care less of what any of you think so you either take it or you leave it that is a powerful place to be because it enables me to not put myself in a bucket how many people that are going to watch or listen to this are stuck in that dang bucket and they're trying to break free well i'll tell you this all you have to do is start showing up as who you are more often and you'll be surprised at the support you get and you'll probably be surprised at the people you might lose but at the end of the day do you want a bunch of people that only follow you because of one part of you or do you want people that actually you know want to know more about you yeah that's very true were you ever at a point where you wanted your content to be a certain way but then you started mixing it up like with breakdancing and things and you were getting more engagement on the fun you know human side of you we were like okay i need to break out of this business like yeah, approach you know, that I'm trying. Yeah. I don't know if it was ever that I wanted to break out of it. I just felt like I couldn't show up a hundred percent. If that makes sense. Like, yeah. you know, and again, like that's a big part of me, marketing and sales. I've been in, involved for 27 years, like since I was in eighth grade, I've been in and around it. I know it. I don't have to have a slide deck to teach it. Like oh, you don't need any of that stuff. And so to me, it's that's natural, but breakdancing is also natural. You know, you know, rapping is not like all these other things are also natural for me. 
Oh my God, can you do some rapping? I'll share with you kind of a little snippet of a song. So I have something that things I've written that have never been released, right? Like maybe a couple people have heard it and they've heard, maybe seen the words, but, but I'll just kind of share it. I'll just speak it. So words are what are, is not good in my eyes about music that's out today. There's not a lot of positivity. It's like, here's the exact framework to ruin your relationship, right? Like that's the song, right? Or it's, you know, it's like all these different things and it's planting the wrong seeds in people's minds, right? It's, it's not planting good seeds. That's not fertile ground. That's ground that's actually out there to, to destroy and to really turn people in the wrong direction. So when I think about the word that I'm writing, I want them to inspire people. I want them to lift people up. I want them to show people that you can do things. Okay. So some of these lyrics, and I'm just going to do this off the top of my head. I'm the one that wrote it, so I should remember it. But so it's love it or leave it, believe it, achieve it. I ain't going nowhere until I conceive it. That's the first handful of lines of a song. And if you say that to yourself over and over and over again, it turns into an affirmation. Mm. Love it or leave it, believe it, achieve it, ain't going nowhere until I conceive it. I'm tired of my mind reminding me of all of my weakness, get so on my feelings, and I just can't believe it. It's a powerful thing, but it's also showing you where you've been and then where you can be. And so when I'm writing, that's what my hopes are. But again, it's a, it's an expression. It's an art form. It's a, how do I get what's in here out and share with people a positive message. And that's the same with my podcast. It's the same with breakdancing. And so, you know, I've really found now that if I continue to share these things, it's going to encourage people in multiple different areas, right? I could tell a story that's related to business and or do that, or maybe it's personal story and that might inspire. Or I might dance and someone that used to might get off the couch and start dancing again, or I might do something that's poetic or freestyle like, and it Someone may say, man, I remember I used to write raps when I was a kid. Maybe I should start writing again. You know, so all of it is to show people that you can blaze your own trail. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter, you know, where you're from. You can always change the direction of where you're going. It just takes that, that first step. Oh, wow. That is so beautiful. You use the word conceive it. And I feel like a big part of your story and your origin story and your story with your wife revolves around that word. Can you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we, we'll have to rewind to really give people a deeper level of context. So in 1957, my grandmother was raped. This is in Los Angeles, California. January of 58, my mom was born with one lung. Okay, and so in the 50s, basically, they told my grandmother, like, she's not going to live past 18. She probably won't be able to have any kids. Like this is literally the, <laughs> the baby that she was handed. My mom had other plans though. Like she was a fighter. She finished high school and lived up into that point without even using oxygen. She somehow was able to function off the, off one lung, which was amazing. And then not long after high school, she gave birth to my older brother, who's now 42 years old. And I was shortly after, and I'm now 41 and, and she ends up having three more boys. So she had five boys which is just incredible. She shouldn't have you know, even made it that far. Our last brother, she had at 40 years old. So you just think, just think about it, right? Think about what the, the doctor said and then think about kind of, you know, the life that she lived. And, and listen, we, we were poor growing up, food stamps, you know, free lunches, you know, secondhand stores. I mean, all, you name an adversity that I've experienced it as a kid, but she showed us love. She showed us empathy, taught me how to be more empathetic, how to be kind. She was super into sports and got us involved through scholarships. And, and she didn't make excuses for her circumstances. She said, you know what, like, 
it's okay. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll figure this thing out. And man, I learned so much from her and, you know, losing her at 54. I mean, that was the toughest six months of my life because like you said earlier, like everything can change in a day. I got a phone call. She said, she'll talk to me later. Don't ever hear her voice. I'm flying from across the country every every month to go visit her in the hospital and then she's gone. Experiencing loss like that, it, it takes us to a dark place. It takes us, I remember being, you know, I was managing this community in Atlanta, 558 units. And I, you know, remember getting the car. I don't remember getting to work. You know, I remember getting off work, but don't remember the drive home. And I, that went on for six months and it was tough, but I did figure out how to get out of it. And a lot of it was getting out of my own way and saying, you know, is this how she would want you to live your life? Or, you know, can you keep moving forward and realize your dreams to make her proud, you know? But that's a tough inventory to, for us humans to have to take. And so when I met my wife, she had some things happen in her childhood, some terrible things. And, you know, the doctors told her she wouldn't be able to have any kids. And so when we first started dating, we actually became roommate and things were kind of hot and heavy, but we we're like, hey, you're not gonna be able to have any kids. And all of a sudden she got pregnant. And I remember being like, you know, what about this, uh, not supposed to be able to have kids business. And she's like, that's what I've been told my entire life. And so we started to get excited, you know, about this thought of having this new life and being parents. And unfortunately she wasn't feeling well one day and went to the doctor and she had a miscarriage and man, like <laughs> talk about being punched in the gut. It's like, we went from not being able to, and thinking about my mom's situation and man, the miracles happened for her. Like why, couldn't this happen for us? And so we were excited and then this happened. And then a couple months later, another miracle happened. She got pregnant again. And now our oldest son, Jaden, is going to be 18 in December. And we've got a 13-year-old girl, a 10-year-old girl, a five-year-old boy, and a, a boy that's almost two. And so we have, you know, we're positive 10, right? If you looked at circumstances, none of us should be here. But you know, the wow. story that people just heard, we're positive 10. You know, so, and that just goes to show you that not everything that has said is written in stone. Not every news that gets delivered is 100% accurate. That is so powerful. I just wrote that down. None of us should be here. Wow. Isn't that something? Yeah. But I mean, there's definitely, definitely a higher purpose. You know, like we, we talked about the accident and you know, I'd love to share about that. So yeah. Oh uh, my God. Yeah. And so that accident happened and actually tomorrow is going to be 22 years since the accident tomorrow. No. Oh my and God. April 27th, 2000, I was living in California. We were going to open an office in New Jersey. We had you know, a caravan of vehicles and traveling across the country. We end up going I-80, which takes you straight across the United States. It's the, in the Wyoming portion of it, it's the deadliest stretch of highway in the country because it's so desolate. There's few in, gas stations, few and far between every 40, 50 miles, 60 miles. And so it's late you know, in the morning, like early in the morning, 4, 4 a.m. or so. I was in the back seat of the truck, two passengers in the front cab and the driver and the driver falls asleep at the wheel and when he woke up he overcorrected he starts sliding north of 70 miles an hour and the truck starts flipping and i woke up during the slide so i'm like holy you know like three times i remember the truck kind of flipping and then it came to a land and our buddy was no longer in the truck he literally was ejected out of the, the front he landed about 25 yards from where the truck landed and i got out i didn't even realize i was injured because so much adrenaline and, and you know discombobulation and so we're searching for our friend we find him he 
doesn't look good. He actually stood up, yelled something, and fell back down. And our saving grace, though, re- you ready? Because there was definitely divine intervention. There were a couple off-duty EMTs that were coming from Colorado from a conference that just happened to be driving and saw the end of this thing happen. And they were able to call the helicopter to life flight my buddy Jeremy to Casper. I was taken in a you know speed racer of an ambulance to Rollins and you know on one of those boards, and I had a cut on my right leg about a fist deep. 52 stables between two legs. They said there's a chance I may not walk again. And I ended up making a six-month full recovery. And breakdancing. And I'm still breakdancing it, you know, 22 years later, which is crazy. But, you know, it was that moment for me when I knew that I am here for a reason, right? Because it's easy to think of the other, especially when things are going bad. But when I look at that situation, there is, if you looked at the truck where I should have been and I didn't have my seatbelt on, so my, I was able to shift while it was moving into the right spot. If you looked at the truck where we it landed, literally compacted in. And so that, you know, that, that kind of has showed me that, you know what, there I've got, I don't know what it is, right? I didn't know at 20 what my purpose was, but at 39, I realized it. And that's to help people see things that they don't see in themselves so they can go out and be the best version of them. When I left corporate America at 39 years old, a week or a month before my 40th birthday, you better believe I knew exactly that I needed to go blaze my own trail so that I can inspire others to do the same thing. That's amazing. I also want you to add just a little bit about like, you might not have even gotten in that vehicle because somebody else wanted your spot. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, let's talk about that for a minute. And then I, <laughs> a handful of hours earlier, buddy of mine, Brandaris, we were in Utah and we were like in a Walmart parking lot and me and him were like battling, almost getting to a fist fight about who was going to be in the cool truck. And, you know, for whatever reason that day, I, I ended up winning. I remember when I woke up in the hospital, our friends from the other vehicles were all around the, my bed and everything. And, and the closest one to me was Brandaris. I remember looking at him saying, I'm glad it was me, you know, because I thought about it in that moment. I was like, man, like, what if he would have been there and he would have had his seatbelt on? And he would have been in that area that was completely crushed in. And so it was almost maybe two lives were saved that day. It's something crazy to really think about and understand that, you know, there is, there's definitely a higher purpose. There's definitely more, more of the story, right? The story isn't over yet. Okay. I just want to get a little bit of your daddy story. Cause I read on your profile, you did not know your dad until you were 12. Yes, that's 100% true. Yeah, so my dad and mom, you know, were together when I was younger, like little. And when my mom got pregnant, he basically left. He went back to the Philippines. I mean, I think he had come a couple times between birth and two, but I didn't, never, no recollection of him. And then I'm 12 years old. My mom said, you know, he'd send cards and stuff like that every once in a while. But when I was 12, it was like, do you want to go visit your dad? And I was like, okay. I guess, I guess I can do that. Yeah, I don't know what, what about it was like, yeah, you need to go, need to go do this. And so I agreed and I flew from Portland to Seattle, from Seattle to Minneapolis, St. Paul, from Minneapolis, St. Paul to Washington National. I remember this like it was yesterday and I get off the plane and got my suitcases and there's Asian family standing in front of me, you know, and it's my dad and my stepmom stepbrothers, half brothers. And man, what an interesting summer, right? Like I, I'm this poor kid growing up in Portland and now I get to meet meet my dad at 12 years old and he's got a landscaping business and he's got another family and so I got to kind of see a side of money right I got to see a different side because I didn't experience that where I was like we grew up really poor and so 
it was an interesting dynamic. I almost felt bad for my siblings that they didn't get to experience going to Six Flags, you know, taking me all. And again, I'm sure he's trying to make up for 12 years of like not being a part of my life. But what I learned really quickly is that he was a hard worker. He was up at 6 a.m. getting his breakfast ready, packing his lunch, tying his shoes, you know, going out to work for 12 hours. And and that really was instilled to me that, you know, you got to work hard. And of course, he put me to work at 12 and taught me how to do landscaping and mulch and like all of these things and so every summer after that I would go and I, that's how I'd make my money during the summer is he would have me do landscaping with him and, and so I learned that skill set that value of hard work and you know making sure you do things right the first time he would go he would go back over us and if there was one stick on the dang ground he would make us go clean it up he, he was a big believer in customer service and in fact a year from now he's going to retire after having his company 41 years and he's never had a single thing other than a black and white business card. Now, in hindsight, I would never give anyone that advice in business. I think it was a dumb idea, but that's in hindsight, right? Back then, I, I didn't like, yeah, great. You have a business card. This is cool, right? But now, like, how much more would he brought in if he had a website? How much more revenue if he had systems and processes dialed in, right? So I can actually look and I, it's funny. I was telling my son the other day, I'm like, you don't want to build a business like your grandpa did because he left a lot of money on the table. And again, for him, it was he was living the American dream. He grew up in poor in the Philippines and now he's got a business. So I'm sure for him, and again, he's accomplished a lot with it. He bought a couple businesses in the Philippines, built a boarding house, a rice mill, built a, a house that he's going to retire at. So that was really his end goal and his, and his mission. So I think he served it. But again, I have to think about it from a business mindset, like what could he have done differently to actually grow it and retire earlier, you know? And again, but hindsight's always 2020 and it's, you can always have a perspective at the end of something coming to an end versus being in the middle of it. Didn't you end up working for him after you left yeah. corporate? Yeah, not after I left corporate. Our son Jaden was born. Mm. We actually moved up there because we didn't have anything. Like, what were we going to do in this little small town in Georgia? So I went and worked for him. And once winter came, I was out of a job again because you can't cut snow like what are you gonna do like <laughs> there's not a lot of snow blowing at stuff in in dc so that kind of started my 15 year career in property management in a fluke job interview that they invited me for so and and kind of the rest is history after that so what is the hindsight of that experience oh man at 26 years old i learned how to run a multi-million dollar real estate asset and then i learned how to do it over and over again and then i got to teach managers and assistant managers and regionals and coach them and so yeah it, literally everything that i've gone through has brought me to this point right all of those experiences and knowledge and info have made me into the person that i am and have given me the ability to give the advice that i can give to people so yeah i think all of it was warranted but yeah i, I often found myself thinking the same thing like why did i go through this why did i learn all these things and now i got a client that's like hey can you build a course for me and a workbook yes i can i <laughs> got that skill set right can you do this i sure can can you help me with this absolutely and some people are like wow like why did you learn video editing why'd you learn whiteboard animation why'd you learn the public speaking stuff is that helpful now yeah because now i'm getting gigs to go speak on stages and that's adding value to my brand and into the bottom line into revenue and to inspire people, you know, so literally everything it really took until 2019 was like the first time I started sharing my story because, you know, I started sharing my mom's and that inspired me and, and made me realize that I had my own story to share. And once I started doing that, that's when my brand started to build. And that's what encouraged me to start the podcast. And now, you know, that's my whole mission. What I do is I want to 
encourage and inspire others that they can do the same. I absolutely love that. Is there anything that you would like to ask my dad? Any advice? Yeah. What's the best advice that he feels like he's given you? Ooh, I love that. Okay. That's so good. I'm going to let you go be daddy now. I totally respect and admire and love that about you. I know that your family is a big part of your story. Go ahead and let people know how they can find your website, support your podcast, all the goods. Yeah. Yeah. So e- easiest way to look me up. You can find me on LinkedIn, Jordan Mendoza. I look very similar to this face. Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter are all at Jordan J. Mendoza. That makes it easy for you guys. And the podcast is, if you just Google Blaze Your Own Trail Podcast, we are ranked at the top in Google. All organically, by the way, I'm super proud of that. I've never spent a dime on SEO, but if you keep showing up and putting stuff out, people will will know you and they'll find you. So I appreciate your time. I, I appreciate you, Rena, for giving me the opportunity to speak to your audience. Anytime I get to hang with someone as cool as you with the hopes to inspire and encourage people, that's what I'm all about. So thank you. Honored to know you. Thank you. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa. Jordan is a person that's also been able to find his way, and he got a chance really to experience many different facets where he had different interests. What's ironic is that his work ethic and his encouragement and value system ended up coming from his father that he hadn't really met for the first 12 years of his life. I found that to be very interesting that working again in a hands-on business, working with family, working with your father, was a whole new perspective to him. He was raised by his mom in not a very well-to-do area, and getting a taste of hard work, of somebody running a business, somebody, he started a new family, but where he could see that cohesiveness and that drive, that type of example or that type of encouragement That type of mentorship that he has received in his early life has stuck with him. He also was able to try different things, and he was always, again, looking to better himself. And when you see what it tastes like to be a have-not and then to be at the point where you have things and show that you can fight for things and work hard and see that successes can occur... You want to be able to share that with everybody. You want everybody to be able to drive themselves, to be able to, whatever the field might be, to search out to be successful. And that's part of life, staying in motion, really going after it. And what I found to be very interesting, he said, what if you're trying to help somebody and you're not even sure whether you you like the person or whether their response is right? Isn't it interesting that doing the right thing helping other people and not being a taker, but a giver, that there is more reward, again, in doing that, even though there's certain people that always want something in return or are not necessarily nice to you, and yet they still want things from you. Isn't that a subject matter that came up earlier? But to be a, still a giver, still to try to do the right thing, you get paid back in spades. By doing that and reaching out and helping others, you actually feel better yourself by doing that. And uh, that's an important part of the message of this show is to reach out, help others where they can strive to grow and develop and be the best that they can be. And by doing that, you're sending the right message. And that's what this show is all about too. One thing that really stuck with me about his story is that he said, I wasn't even supposed to be here. 
Isn't that ironic? My grandfather said after 96 years and just before he died, he says, I don't even know why I was here. Fact is, is that time, it's such a short gift that we're given on this earth. And we're not even sure of what the game plan is other than take our experiences and hopefully be able to see all the choices that we have, good and bad, to try to see if we can be a shining light and to show that we did have some type of positive energy and we've shown that we were bright and we sent that light off and hope that someone gets something out of it and can see a little bit better because we were here. Another part of this mentorship philosophy is that we talked about how he received it and how he reacted. But isn't it quite ironic also that when he has children of his own and he had made a decision, you know, that he was good at sports, he was very athletic, but he just loved that break dancing, wasn't sure where it was going to go. And when his children are looking for a mentorship of doing something special, isn't it ironic how that motivated him to bring out his break dancing again? and to run with the kids, to also show and encourage that something that interests you, that it's never too late to follow it up and to do it and to see where it leads to. And with today's age of communication, you know, you have your podcast, people are writing books, people are able to do so many things with videos on the internet that you can now not have to be in someone else's rules. You can reach out and communicate yourself out in the world, things that interest you, and show people that what their interests might be, and to see where it goes, that anything is possible in today's communication age. Sharing ideas, sharing talents, sharing interests helps motivate people to do better. And sometimes our parents that are mentors to us, isn't that what our job is also, to be mentors to our children as well? And isn't it funny how sometimes the children can end up being the mentors even right back and help motivate us to really want to be more serious with our lives in expression as well. That's interesting that you brought up the mentorship thing, because at the beginning of the episode, he talks about his friend, Bill, who mentored him that passed away. Right. So mentorship is a very, very big key to life paths as well. And when you have the right mentorship and you have the right motivation, and you have the right example, good things happen. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 